Welcome to the Growing in Grace podcast, where you can listen in on some casual conversation about the good news of Jesus without all of the inconsistent religious double talk. If you've ever struggled with feelings of hopelessness, guilt, and despair, or wondered if you're really right with God, it's time to discover the true freedom that comes with the gospel of unlimited and overflowing grace. Hi there once again, Mike Kapler here with Joel Brzezinski. Welcome to the what has been known as the Growing in Grace podcast. And by the way, when you're searching for it, make sure it's Mike and Joel. There are imposters out there. But we're going to, because of that, we're going to change the name of our podcast starting next week to the Growing in Works podcast. <laughs> yeah. We got to make sure we get all our works done, grow in works, and, and make sure that we prove ourselves to God and prove ourselves to others <laughs> that we've got the works that show that we are saved. How hard would it be for us to go back into that kind of a mindset and and try to convince people that if they don't do this, this, and this, they're going to lose eternal life? Imagine trying to go back and, and do that with all the things we've talked about. Now in our 20th year, by the way, I know you mentioned recently that we're now past 19 years. We had our 19th anniversary podcast, but I, I kind of like saying we're now in our in 20th our, year. But imagine going year. back and yes. trying to convince people of becoming a doer, a doer of the word. That's that's another topic, Joel, that <laughs> yep. we'll have to get into sometime. <laughs> what What is a doer of the word? But that's not what we're talking about today. Well, you know, it'd be it would be like being in prison because people have relayed their experience to us uh, of being in the church, um, the, the, the legalistic type of um, background that they've had. Uh, they've considered it to be like a prison, and then they've been set free when they've come to realize the truth of the gospel, that their church or their teachings, whatever that they were listening to, and that they were told to, you know, the beliefs that they were told to have, <laughs> that it was just like being in prison, and they've been set free from that into the grace of the gospel. And so that would be very difficult to, you know, you've been set free. Now you're in this wide world of grace, uh, this wonderful, I used to call it the vast sea of grace because of uh, something that had happened to me one time. It wasn't, it wasn't really a vision, but it was in, in my imagination. When I was kind of in that prison, I remember in my mind envisioning, I had heard these grace teachings. You were sharing some things with me, Cap, you know, 30 years ago. Um, I was listening to some, some tapes from uh, a local church that you had given me, and I was contemplating these things. I knew it was right. In, in my mind yet, I was still contemplating, do I, do I venture out into this? And I pictured myself standing over this, this cliff, Behind me was, I've got to do it myself. I got to maintain enough works. I got to, you know, try and try and maintain my salvation. But in front of me, over this cliff, was this vast sea, and I, I couldn't really see it. It wasn't quite clear, kind of misty and cloudy. But I thought, if I jump, if I jump into this vast sea of grace, am I going to be okay? Will God? still be with me. So anyway, in my mind, I pictured myself jumping off into this vast sea of grace, and I found myself just floating, and it was an, it was amazing. It was wonderful. God had me. Everything 
was just amazing and wonderful because it was it was his grace and and he had me and i can't imagine now going back to that roller coaster ride the up and down ride of of emotions and am i right with god am i not right with god have i done enough have i not done enough have i have i sinned too much have i you know all these things the, the prison of being in and out of fellowship with god you know if i was living right enough i felt like okay i'm in fellowship with god if i was doing wrong i'm out of fellowship with god topsy-turvy up and down uh and it was it was a prison it really was and i can't imagine going back to that Uh, i'm so glad that we have come to this understanding of the gospel where we know we can know god and we know that we have salvation we know that we're forgiven because it has nothing to do with what we've done it has to do with what christ has done what he did through the cross his his shed blood i mean just think about that if you're ever wondering about where you stand with god think about the fact that jesus shed his blood for you and he died for you he did it it was um, hebrews says it was god's will and he came to do god's will and and it was done and he did it and we received this Uh, forgiveness that we talked about last week once and for all one sacrifice for all and it was all because of what christ has done and so to go back to wondering all the time am i saved am i forgiven i just can't imagine it cap yeah i i hear you on that you know what with that in mind what what you finished with last week in, in hebrews 10 there's such a bigger context here that I know we sometimes get focused on the verses. I I get that. There's probably a place for that, but there's a context here that's even more powerful. And it goes back to Hebrews 7, where the, the, the writer of Hebrews was talking about Jesus having become the high priest, and it explained kind of how that happened and how it transitioned from an older covenant that was basically useless, <laughs> ineffective, uh, and, and the new covenant that Jesus established, and the many priests that were under the law, and, and the, the one high priest uh, that we have now in the new covenant, that priest, of course, being Jesus. So there's a, a context here. We've always recommended this, uh, Hebrews 7, 8, 9, and 10. If, if you mm-hmm. read nothing yes. else in the book of Hebrews, hit those four chapters, because there's a continuation of thought going on here, and you hit on something at the end of the last program, uh, Hebrews, uh, I guess, uh, 10, 12, let's start there. When, when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting for that time until his enemies be made a footstool for his feet. Uh, for by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. So the the thing I wanted to hit on here, though, is that he sat down. That's something that priests didn't do. The writer of Hebrews explained under the Old Covenant that the the priests continued to stand. I mean, it was like a day and night thing. I, I know there were certain sacrifices that might happen at certain times of the year or once a year, but there was this continuation of sacrifices that, that occurred daily for the atonement, for the covering of sins with the blood of animals. Jesus didn't offer an atonement or a covering. He took sins away. But the important thing to understand here is, unlike the priests who were offering sacrifices daily, standing there, verse 11, the priests stand daily, offering repeatedly the same sacrifice, which could never take away sins. There was a covering, but not a taking away. Christ 
offered one time, not many sacrifices, but one sacrifice, and then sat down. He didn't keep standing. And that's a, a critical thing for us to understand when it comes to our forgiveness, because I spent the first couple decades or so of my life as a younger person, my, my Christian life, uh, having become a believer in Christ, spent nearly a couple of decades after that, spending a pretty good amount of time seeking more forgiveness from God. What a waste of time, Joel. I think about that. What a waste. And, and the emotional stress and trauma and turmoil that went along with it, wondering where you were still standing with God. We're, we're still kind of talking about that, even though we brought it up several programs ago. How do I know I'm right with God? Well, this ties into that. How do I know I'm, how do I know I'm forgiven? Thereby, how do I know I'm right? It's an important thing to understand, as we talked about some last week, in that Jesus offered this sacrifice with his blood. It was the blood that brought forgiveness. So forgiveness didn't just come. Now, this is, this is a perspective that I've offered before. I'll, I'll share it here. You can agree or disagree with it or pursue it on your own time. But for, forgiveness occurred many years ago when the blood of Jesus was shed once and after he sat down. Forgiveness was offered to the world. We didn't necessarily receive God's forgiveness, you and me, didn't receive God's forgiveness when we confessed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I, I believe, uh, Joel, you can chime in with a different perspective if you want to, but I, I just believe over time as I've looked at this, that forgiveness was given to the world, not necessarily synonymous with eternal life. In other words, the forgiveness of sins had to occur before we could enter into eternal life, where we came as individuals to believe in Jesus Christ uh, in order to pass from death unto life. That's a pr perspective I'm offering, but the th here's the thing I wanted to wrap up with here, Joel, before I get this back to you. I, I got to squeeze this in. I know these the, the end of the program sometimes comes up quickly, uh, and, and that is having spent so much time myself uh, trying to get a renewed forgiveness from God, repeated confessions, repeated forgiveness because of my ignorance and my, my lack of understanding about the finished work of Jesus. Uh, how do you know? I mean, number one, confession doesn't bring forgiveness. It was the blood that brought forgiveness. But even if, even if you want to think that confession brought forgiveness, how do you keep up with that? How do you do it? How, how do you keep your slate completely clean between now and when you die? Because, you know, one little wrong thought, one little wrong sin, you, you won't be able to keep up. Your confessions will never keep up with the number of wrongdoings or wrong thinking. It just doesn't work. It's something that the church has brought up, and, and it's basically based on one or two Bible verses that are taken out of context. We're talking about this stuff to try and, and bring you some comfort and peace that what Jesus did the plenitude of what he provided for us, including a once-for-all forgiveness, once you get a hold of that and begin to understand it and it gets within your heart, it, it will change everything for you because you're, you're not constantly having to pursue this path of, God, please forgive me again, uh, which nobody can keep up with. Yeah. Amen to that. I mean, and you know, I'm with you on the whole, the idea that forgiveness has been given to to the entire world, and I do uh, separate that from the receiving of eternal life. Um, I think there are many places uh, where Paul talked about uh, believing unto eternal life and you know receiving the eternal life based upon you know the faith, 
Whereas in Hebrews, all this talk about forgiveness, I looked up while you were talking in Hebrews, the word confess or confession appears four times. And it's um, in Hebrews 3, he says, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Jesus Christ. He's not talking about the confession of sins there. Hebrews 4, he says, let us hold fast our confession. Not talking about the confession of sins, but the confession of Jesus, the acknowledgement of Jesus as the high priest. Uh, Hebrews 10.23, let us hold fast the confession, not of our sins, but of our hope in what Christ has done, is the context there. And in Hebrews 11, he's talking about this great cloud of witnesses. But having seen them afar off, we were assured of them, embraced them, and they confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. All this talk about forgiveness of sins in the book of Hebrews, nothing about confession. Well, of course, we'll have to talk about 1 John 1, 9. But for right now, I just wanted to get to something else in Hebrews. And, and I know, you know, speaking of this offering of the forgiveness for the entire world, uh, I know that a lot of even our grace friends won't agree with us on that. But I, I agree with you on that, Cap. But I, I think... Well, yeah. To, I mean, to me, Joel, it's, it's, it's an, our confession of Christ... Uh, to some extent, is an acknowledgment of the forgiveness of sins. Right, yeah. He provided the forgiveness of sins once and for all. He's, there's never going, he's never going to provide for the forgiveness of sins ever again. But a person can still remain dead because they haven't been made alive through faith. So I, I, there's just a big difference there for me between, uh, to assure our listeners that we're not talking about I'm not, at least I'm not talking about universal salvation or anything like that, but universal forgiveness, I I lean more toward that, like like you do, just the fact that the one sacrifice took care of sins. Again, that is a perspective, and a person listening to this doesn't necessarily have to agree with us, that's okay, uh, but uh, again, in the whole book of Hebrews, talking about this, he never talks about this forgiveness coming about through the confession of sins or by anything else other than what Jesus did. In, at the beginning of Hebrews 10, he says the law was a shadow of the good things to come. It can never, though, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, those animal sacrifices, it can never make perfect those who draw near. That is, those who participated in the sacrifices and the people of Israel who drew near through those sacrifices. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered? Since the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sins. Now think about that. What the writer here is saying is that the way that a person would no longer have any consciousness of sins isn't by them confessing their sins, and it isn't even by them having stopped sinning, but it would have, it would have been by the sacrifices of animals if that could have taken away sins. But, he says in verse 3, in these sacrifices there is a reminder of sins every year, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. And that's when he starts talking about, well, here's what Christ came to do. He came to do God's will. Those sacrifices and offerings you have not desired that are according to the law. Jesus said, Behold, I have come to do your will. And he takes away the first in order to establish the second. And by that will, we have been sanctified. We talked about that a few weeks ago through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. So it was through the one sacrifice of Jesus that sins were taken away. The sins of the world were taken away. And that leaves us with the fact that, again, what you and I believe, that the sin problem has been dealt with. 
Christ is going to return again, but not in relation to sin, the writer says. Why? Because the sin problem has been dealt with. Uh, he's mm-hmm. gonna he's gonna return for salvation, and so the good news here is that we can we can rest assured that through that one sacrifice of Jesus, where the blood of bulls and goats couldn't do it, even our confession of sins couldn't do it, but the the way that we can no longer have any consciousness of sins isn't by looking at our behavior and the good and bad that we've done, but it's it is looking at that one sacrifice of Christ. Let me just wrap up with this. If you went out and committed a crime, talking about our societal situation here in the world in which we live, whether it was robbery or murder or whatever, and you're a suspect and you're in the interrogation room and hoping somehow you're going to get out of this, but finally you confess that you committed the crime. Does that mean they're going to let you go? <laughs> Are they going to set you free? Well, I just confessed, so now I'm 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 clean, right? I mean, my slate is clean. I don't have a record. Um, we sometimes confuse things that are taking place in in the world of the spirit with what's going on around us. Of course, you wouldn't. Now, you might get a lesser sentence instead of life in prison or or the death penalty. You you might do, you know, two or three decades in in prison or something like that by societal law, but you're not going to be let go. Confession doesn't let you off the hook. It doesn't in this world, and it doesn't in the world of the spirit. It was blood that was needed, and with Jesus, it was needed one time. He's not coming back to sacrifice himself again. And so to think that somehow your confession will bring a forgiveness of sins instead of the blood of Jesus, which was shed one time for all, then that's not lining up. The pieces to the puzzle aren't going to fit that way. So this is good news. That's what the gospel is. Uh, Forgiveness. It came once through Jesus Christ and and the work that he accomplished for us. That's right. And no, we didn't forget. We just ran out of time for this one. But 1 John 1, 9 and the confession of sins will address that next week. I know it's got to be on some people's minds in regard to all of this. What does it mean and how does it fit into all of this of what we've been saying? So we'll talk about 1 John 1, 9 and the futility of the confession of sins in order to receive the forgiveness of sins. That's coming up next week right here on Growing in Grace. This has been Growing in Grace with Mike Kapler and Joel Brzezinski. Heard online through various internet sources around the world each week. Access past programs by visiting growingingrace.org. Share it with a friend and listen again next week for more Growing in Grace. Growing in Grace.